All right, this is your Places Call. You are listening to episode three of Theatrical Thoughts. My name is Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by our favorite music director, copyist, and coffee connoisseur, Jeffrey Coe. Jeff was the associate music director for Broadway's Be More Chill and the copyist for the recent production of the Ratatouille TikTok musical. And we are so thrilled to have him here with us today. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, happy to be here. How, how's it going in the life of Jeffrey Coe? Uh, it's going good. I had like a super, super easy day. I was like doing some recording stuff for Charlie Brown and then went on a walk with a friend and went grocery shopping. And here we are. Like super, super easy day. Look at that. Yeah. And for those of you who don't, do not know, Jeff is our music director for our production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown right now. So sure good stuff. Yes. Jeff, are you drinking tea right now? I'm drinking tea right now. What kind like of a gentleman? Uh, it's tension tamer. It's the like blue box one. Oh, okay. 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 We kind of know. Yeah. It's in the like nice decaf way to like unwind. Good stuff. Not coffee. I'm very surprised. No coffee in the morning. I, I, we got time. This is a whole long story. I was in the ER the entire afternoon yesterday. Uh, what? Yeah, and neither of you knew this. Uh, I was like playing darts with you, Jesse, from the mm-hmm. ER. I what? was like, I was having like chest pains and like chest tightness and like some like weird heart palpitation stuff for like two hours and was like lightheaded and dizzy. Uh, and I was like, I live by myself now. Uh, I just like, I, I want to make sure I'm not going into a heart attack uh, like by myself. So I walked to the hospital and like spent four hours there. They like did an x-ray, did a like ultrasound on my heart, did some blood tests, checked every like checked thyroid stuff, checked everything totally fine they were like you uh just probably had too much coffee this morning and are like too stressed about work and like didn't eat enough and like maybe you're a little bit dehydrated and it's like all that shit together uh but so i'm cutting back a little bit uh on on everything Uh, oh wow one cup of coffee this morning instead of two and i'm drinking decaf uh tea in the afternoon instead of like black tea well i'm glad you're okay but that is the most health issue i've ever heard that is not where i thought that story was going so i figured neither of you knew this yeah the dude was like you'd like chill and like stop working so hard and like stop moving your life at such a quick pace well also you just moved right so now yeah i just moved like two weeks ago uh you've been crazy for like 11 hours a day on the weekend it's it's all the stuff like that that like adds up and is like fine by itself but also my brain is also go 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 uh (laughs) and we're gonna like dial it back a little bit Well, at least nothing's wrong. So as long as you limit your coffee, you'll be fine. (laughs) Right. It was like the best case. It's the easiest thing to fix. It's not like you're having a heart attack or like you have a heart issue. Okay. Well, on that note, um, (laughs) if you've listened to our previous episodes with our guests, we're going to be to do it. We are going to be doing our 60 second life story. So Jeff, you have to summarize your life in 60 seconds and Emily's going to time it. I am. I'm going to hold you to it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'll probably leave out some stuff here and there to get it down to 60, but yeah. All right, here we go. Ready? Go. Uh, Cool. Born and raised in uh, Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, So I'm a Jersey boy. Uh, Went to the high school there. My mom also went to Westfield High School, like a longstanding. I like grew up in the same house my mom did. Uh, And then I went to Northwestern uh, for theater, originally to be an actor. Uh, Auditioned for BFA programs, did all that shindig uh, and uh, went to Northwestern. Uh, the first year there, I kind of found my way into music directing and realized I liked it more uh, and it was easier and I was better at it. Uh, so I started doing that. 
uh, when I graduated, I moved uh, back here, back to the, uh, back to New York, really, uh, with my roommate from college, uh, and was lucky enough to like get a gig through some connections from school at North at uh, Paper Mill, uh, and then from there, just kind of started doing more and more. That that's like professional life in a nutshell. Personal life, uh, I was in the ER yesterday. <laughs> but that aside, uh, and I just like booked an Airbnb uh, for for March, so I have like a nice little cabin small town getaway um what what am i at you are at one minute and six seconds so uh, i went over sorry i'm pretty solid that's not All too right. bad yeah, i'll take close. it <laughs> so walk me through how young jeff got into theater how did you discover acting and all that jazz? Yeah, um, I had friends who did it in middle school uh, because in middle school, you're friends with everyone. And I just like had people who did run crew. I had people uh, who did acting stuff. So I auditioned uh, in eighth grade and I did that. It was, the play was The Somewhat True Tale of Robin Hood was my first audition. And then, and I got the the lead role of the, not Robin Hood, but like the equivalent of like the leading player for this shitty play, uh, which is super fun. All my friends were in it. It was awesome. Uh, and then we did Joseph that spring and I auditioned and that was my first musical. And I was like, this is fun. The people are nice. Uh, went into high school, uh, did the same thing and then started having to pick and choose between like basically soccer and baseball uh, or play and musical. And uh, for whatever reason, decided I liked these people more. Uh, and I started doing that. I, I, there was never a moment of like, I, I like started doing theater at three or like I took dance or, you know, singing lessons. I played piano since I was like five and took lessons. So music was always a big part of my life. Uh, but theater was always very much a like, these people are cool and I enjoy it. So I'm going to keep doing it until I can't. And uh, here we are like 10 years later. That's fantastic. I get, I feel that. I didn't get into yeah. it much later. Yeah, the people. Great. You were you were also not like uh like voice lessons from three and like dance classes and things. I, I was, but Emily I'm sure was you not. were. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had Lindsay to kind of push you there. That's true. <laughs> but you know, I, same boat freshman year. Like yeah, it was something I liked, but you know, mm -hmm. Lay Miz, that was it. Got into it was like these people are cool. Okay, sure. Lay Miz. Lay Miz was my first show. No shit. Yes. That's ridiculous. No shit. Okay. I know. Yeah. My yeah, first yeah, show when I was four, so a little different. Right. <laughs> Love that. Les Mis was like your 45th show or whatever. <laughs> like that. Great. Cool. So now, Jeff, you also, this is something, okay, back Les Mis days, first thing I pretty much knew about you, you have these tattoos. Like you have such wicked cool tattoos and I want to hear the backstory of these. Yeah. So I have two, uh, two at the moment. Uh, the one on my left arm, I was going to pull it out and show, but we're not, we're not going to see this, right? I don't need to like- Well, it'll, it'll go on YouTube too, so. Oh, great. Okay. So, so uh, you can kind of see around my mic, but it's like a New York City skyline uh, with a treble clef that kind of leads into the skyline. Um, that was my first tattoo. Uh, this is the December before Les Mis. So a couple of months before that, I had just gotten back from uh, a vacation uh, with my family to the Cayman Islands and like had just gotten back to New York. And I was like, man, I really love it here. I'm glad I moved here. I'm glad my industry is here. It was like rounding out my first two years of living in New York and like being a working professional in the theater industry. And I was really feeling like this is my city. Uh, so I got this, I went to Jersey to get it for whatever reason. Uh, oh, because my sister was getting 
she was getting a nose piercing and so she had already found the place and so I like went with her and the lady there was like super nice I was like great do you want to do my tattoo she was like yeah awesome come back let's do it um I google imaged a fucking like New York skyline uh thing and this is like the third search result and I brought it in and I was like can you work with this I kind of like it and like can we add a treble clef uh and she was like yeah totally and so she started like doing some designs she surprised me with the I was gonna say Eiffel Tower that's not the, with the Empire State Building in the middle and she was like I thought it might be cool and I was like yeah I love it it's like nice in the middle uh so that's number one this is the like this is the go, go, go side of me. This is the like professional New York, uh, like high speed, high stakes thing. Uh, the one on my right arm, which Wyra might be less familiar to you. Uh, it's new. Oh no, I've had it for a while though. It's newer, but you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's like a little turtle uh, uh, on a beach uh, with like a palm tree around it. Uh, this I got because there's a photo of me. If you dive into like Facebook or Instagram of me like holding up this like little turtle dude uh, on the Cayman Islands. He's super cute. He was like a super nice turtle. Um, but that's that's why I got the turtle. And this is the side of me that's like remember to slow down, remember to take vacations because I had gone like two years straight with like no vacation and like no days off by this point. And I was like, I need something to remind me to to like calm down, take a breath, book an Airbnb, like go away for a little bit. So I went back, like mentally went back to the Cayman Islands. I was like, that's the best one I've had uh, in a long time. Let me get a tattoo. Went back to the same place to get the same tattoo uh, for like the same lady. She had moved to London. Uh, so I got it from another uh, lady who happened to be working there that day. She was super awesome. I basically went in with like, I like the idea of an unfinished circle and a palm tree. And I like the idea of a turtle. Uh, you do you with the rest of that. And so she added the like beach and the sunset in the background. Uh, and that's where we are. That's so cool. I like that there's like the different messages. Yeah, I'm, I, I think the, the, the like city skyline one is done one because it's massive and two because I'm trying to like get away from, from that lifestyle a little bit. Uh, but the one on the right, I might keep adding to little by little some sort of like outdoorsy thing, uh, uh, my like group of college friends had a had a close friend pass away earlier, like a few months ago, uh, unrelated to to COVID, but it was like a cancer thing. And so we've been playing with like spider uh, type tattoo stuff for her. So I, I'm going to keep adding to this arm, I think. That's incredible. I love that. So Jesse, do you want to, do you want to hop in? I know you have yeah, one. So switching gears a little bit. Well, actually a lot, this has nothing to do with tattoos, right. but can you tell us a, bit, a little bit about why you chose Northwestern and just your experience there? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is my life in a nutshell. It was a, uh, it was a last minute gamble. Uh, I didn't know Northwestern was a school until the end of December. Uh, and, and, uh, my, one of my best friends, uh, from high school, Rob, Rob is like a whole nother fucking story. We went to high school together. We met in preschool. We went to college together. Uh, he's the one that like first hired me to music direct a show in college. He's the reason why I'm doing it now. Uh, he worked on Broadway bounty hunter as like one of the GMs and like signed by it's, uh, we're super close. Uh, but he had gotten into their ED cause he did cherubs and then applied there. And so we were talking, it was like, it's a cool school. You might want to check it out. So I started looking at it for a few days and was like, well, the deadline's in three days. I guess I'm going to apply. Applied uh, and then like forgot about it. February rolled around. Uh, I got into uh, USC with like a crazy good scholarship, uh, great BFA program, went out there to visit, 
scholarship interview went well. I loved the school. I bought a shit ton of USC merch, like fully decked out and like came back to tech for our musical and was like, I'm going to USC. Great. And then fast forward to like mid-March. Yeah. Mid-March is when acceptances come out, right? Yeah, mid-March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got into Northwestern. They invited me to like go for a weekend, check it out. I was like, great, cool. Went out there with my mom, stayed with like uh, this dude from New Jersey who was a freshman there and like spent a weekend there and I was like, ah, this is really super nice. And I liked the program a lot, which was useful. Uh, they have a BA program, uh, instead of a BFA program. Um, and they have this musical theater certificate, which was super interesting at the time, uh, less so now because I don't perform as much. Um, but they are trying to develop that into like a full, fully fledged BA or BFA program. Uh, and they, they had this like, whole um uh they were they were very focused on an immersive experience uh and making sure your freshman year you knew how to do lights a little bit and sound a little bit and all that stuff so you could be a holistic theater maker which i really liked and is part of the reason why after going there i was able to shift into music so easily um but yeah so northwestern was a complete fucking accident it was like rob was like you should apply great and then like if, if the timelines for USC and Northwestern were switched and USC was the one that I had visited later, closer to the like commitment deadline, I might've went there. Uh, but I, I like lucked out a lot because Northwestern was the right school for me. Um, That's just classic, Jeff. <laughs> it was like, it's classic, classic my life in a nutshell. It was like, I like got lucky, got lucky, timeline kind of worked out. And then two, two years after going there, I was like, wow, this is a hundred percent the right school to me. I'm still, I still hang out with all of my close friends from college. I still work with them. We do little concerts here and there. Uh, the program and the curriculum there and the people there uh, and the way they structure their like show season is what allowed me to switch into music directing without changing my major and really just like doing it. And they have a ton of student theater uh, there because each class is like, it's a hundred theater majors every year. Uh, so it's like a ton, there's like 11 student theater groups. It's awesome. Damn, that's, that's incredible. Great. What was your favorite part? What did you like most about it? Was there something that like stood out or is it just the whole thing was just everything for you? Uh, I'm going to say the whole experience right now while I stall for a specific one. Uh, the the nature of the student run organizations, I think uh, on, on a holistic, a little bit more specific level. Um, I, I was involved in acapella there. I... Uh, was I was on the board for one of the student uh, theater boards uh, that focused on like making art accessible to everyone uh, and just that type of uh, leadership and mentorship and camaraderie uh, that allowed full groups of students sans faculty really uh, to create full seasons of theater and new work even, uh, you know, and, and put up acapella concerts and shit. Like it's stuff that I'm sure is at every school, those communities are there, um, but is one of the more memorable things. And then if I can sidebar for a hot sec, the other one is uh, within new work specifically, the WAMU show, uh, which I will plug any chance I get, but it's a fully student written musical every year. Used to be a concert, uh, they switched to like a full book musical in like 2010 or whatever. Um, and is now just like a fully student-written musical, student-orchestrated, two and a half hours, full book. Uh, the first couple were based on like a modern Shakespeare and like shit like that. And now it's just like a fully original uh, show that people pitch and then they land on one concept and they have some head writers. Uh, I music directed it for two years with my friend Noah. 
Um, so is it a different show every year? Different show every year, like whole new show. They start from scratch. You know, the show goes up in like April or in May. And then come around June, there's new leadership for next year. And they start from scratch and like start brainstorming storylines and like plot lines over the summer. And then everyone gets back in fall and starts writing it. Um, it's That's written so cool. in, in like a weird way that is n not at all. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't create good stories, right? It's written uh, by breaking up the show into nine sections and you have a group. It's, it's great for learning, but it's not good for like cohesiveness. Um, but yeah, it's a group of like 40, 40 students, like write and orchestrate a full musical with like, you know, a full song list and mm -hmm. a full orchestra. Um, and it's directed by a professional uh, and it's uh, music supervised by a professional and it's designed by professionals, but like stage managed by students, you know, all of that stuff uh, performed by students, et cetera. So that launched me into the whole, uh, the like new work path that I do now. That's awesome. I think that's such a cool concept for uh, like to have at a college. Yeah, so. that I will say I think is pretty unique to Northwestern. The the student run groups are everywhere and and super good, but WAMU is unique. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool. Okay, Emily, do you want to go to our next question? I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, but was there like what made you want to pursue the arts as a career? Like, what do you think helped you kind of come to the conclusion that like this is what you were going to do for work? I mean, you're such a workaholic. I get you. How did I you think this doing is it. <laughs> I don't know. I like I never have a good answer for this question because at the end of the day, it was like I did it in high school and like it. Uh, so I when I was applying to schools, right, half the schools I applied to Wyra, you're going to identify with this. Half of the schools I applied to were like poli-sci and IR schools. And like, there was a world in which like I went to Georgetown or GW and like worked either, you know, in a congressman's office or like abroad, you know, as a, like working in a diplomat's office. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, so that was part of which like the fact that I chose Northwestern was one of the reasons why I did theater and not, you know, uh, uh, a different career path. Um, and then it, it was always a like, this is the thing I really enjoy. And I went, especially once I got into musicals and new work and music directing, I was like, I love doing this. I don't, I don't mind that I work super long hours to do it. I enjoy doing it. And I love the people that I do it with. So I'm going to keep doing it until I, I either can't, right? I, until either no one hires me or I get to a point where I'm not making enough money to sustain the family or the lifestyle that I want. Uh, and so far I have yet to hit either of those. So I'm still doing it. So wild. I mean, I know we've talked about like you did model UN and that, all that type of stuff in high school. So there was definitely yeah. that dichotomy for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same exact thing. I would love model UN. I love like history and like politics was, was were my favorite courses. Uh, I, I like didn't take a science class senior year but I took like three history class. You know what I mean? It was like stuff like that. Um, I loved debate. So I was always, I, I, di I didn't, want to be uh, an elected politician. I didn't like want the spotlight, which probably should have told me that I shouldn't have been an actor. Um, but I like liked writing speeches and I liked working on, you know, that type of strategy. I feel yeah. like you and Emily are very similar in that way. I think like, we are. In a, in a different timeline, you guys would be working together like your entire life for that kind of stuff. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. And I'm the complete opposite of that. Yeah, just so I wouldn't be nerd. involved there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so um, moving on, 
Can you walk us through how you got your start in the professional world of theater and how you got involved with Be More Chill and then how you found out that you booked Be More Chill? Yeah, you guys are going to hate me. Um, uh, the way I got involved uh, in, in like professional theater as a whole uh, was an extension of the WAMU show. Um, by, by, by my senior year, they had established, Northwestern had established this really good partnership with Paper Mill uh, because the executive director, artistic director, one of the heads of Paper Mill, uh, Mark Hobie, great, great dude, uh, you know, taught some classes to me when I, when I did Paper Mill one summer there. Uh, but he was a Northwestern alum. Um, so he had gotten back in contact with the guys who ran the Northwestern theater program. They had set up this thing where they would award five to 10 um, assistant positions, basically, to Northwestern uh, uh, kids who are graduating or juniors uh, on Paper Mill New Work, specifically because it was WAMU. Uh, so stage managers would get a chance to work uh, as a PA on a new show. Uh, and I got the chance to work... Uh, as a music assistant on this new show, Honeymooners, that was going up uh, like the summer after I graduated or something like that. Um, so I started doing that. I, I came back here, I did that. I did one show at Nymph right before that, that summer uh, with my friend Connor who graduated from Northwestern. And then I did the paper mill thing. Uh, great experience, lived at home. It paid like a hundred bucks, but super awesome to like be in the room on this like music team of five people uh, making a new work with like, uh, fucking John Rando who like directed your into you know on Broadway like stuff like that um great experience uh and then between the like four other music team members uh I I guess I did a good job uh and and they started hiring me for other shit along the way little concerts um readings uh the rehearsal pianist oddly enough Geraldine Anello awesome awesome woman um, she hired me for a lot of things after one of them was uh to be her assistant on this concert that Laura Bell Bundy was doing, who she was also in Honeymooners, which is how we knew each other. Um, but uh, uh, Laura Bell was doing this uh, concert at the town hall called Double Standards. It was like a massive, uh, Wires nodding, like she she knows it. Cool, cool. or you read about and it I'm on just still here with my mouth, with my jaw dropped because Laura Bell Bundy is like one of my favorite Broadway stars. So you're oh yeah, she's, she's awesome. Uh, uh, wish her all the best if she happens to be listening to this. Uh, uh, but she was doing this concert called uh, Double Standards at Town Hall. A super awesome thing that was like all about female empowerment, uh, all about uh, double standards, obviously. Uh, it was people like Sarah Bareilles and like Rosie O'Donnell. It was like an awesome setup, uh, set list. Uh, and so I was helping Geraldine with that. And one of uh, the orchestrators, because they divvied it out to like 100 people because the timeline was ridiculous, um, one of the orchestrators was Emily Marshall, who would go on to music direct, uh, Be More Chill. So we met each other at the after party because she and Geraldine were also best friends. Uh, so they were hanging out and I was talking to Geraldine. And so Emily and I got to talking. We like hung out over a drink. We hit it off well. We exchanged numbers. Uh, that was it. Obviously, we have a lot of mutual friends. So we like kept hearing about each other uh, and like seeing each other's work on Facebook. Uh, and then five months later, she texted me and was like, hey, dude, uh, got good vibes from you. Uh, might have a job for you uh, if you if you want to, like, grab a drink and, like, talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm free on Friday. Let's go. Uh, so we grabbed a whiskey at, like, 4 o'clock on a Friday before I was going to Paper Mill, actually, to see another show. Uh, and Marshall was like, uh, so they just announced the Be More Chill Off-Broadway thing. Uh, I'm doing that. 
do you want to be my associate? We had never worked together. We had, I mean, that was, it was like, she, she had heard good things about me. I had heard good things about her. Uh, we like vibed well, uh, talked well, got along well. And she was like, you're maybe a person I want in the room. Uh, so I hopped on board as her associate. Obviously we got along super well. Uh, and like, still we're like very close friends now, but she, uh, she took me to Broadway with her and we've like done other shit since and other workshops and stuff. Uh, and she's like a close friend and a close collaborator now, but was like, we, we met at a bar at an after party. And then she texted me five months later. That's just, that's again, typical a, Jeff. A to just literally get texted, literally just be asked like, oh, do you want to come work on Broadway with me? You'll be yeah. like, okay. I will say it's, it's, it's not uncommon. I, I think in the industry for that to happen, it's such a small, especially in like the music portion, it's such a small group and people know each other and know of each other. Um, and I was lucky that that was a very specific love. It was, it was an off-Broadway associate gig, which most people, Emily was subbing a lot on Broadway. And so most people that she knew were playing or music directing Broadway shows and they were not gonna drop that for like an associate off-Broadway gig. Um, so I was super lucky there. Did you yeah. know what was going to Broadway after that? Or did you think it no. was just going to be off Broadway and that was it? Uh, no, I thought there was, we all thought there was maybe a chance, but the, the gig was like, this is an off Broadway summer thing uh, to like capitalize on uh, the social media stuff that was taken off at that point. And that was it. Oh. Yeah. It was like a nice, like 12 week gig for me. I got to conduct for a little bit and like, that was supposed to be the end of it. So then are. from there, how did you find out it was moving to Broadway? Yeah, they uh, they told us a few days before it was announced. I think the original announcement was like the Times, they like took out a full page ad or something. Um, but they told us before a show um, that it was going to happen. This was like the last like three weeks of the run, maybe. Um, I had started conducting. So yeah, I think it was the last like three weeks of the run before one of the shows, they called a... Uh, emergency tech rehearsal at 5 p.m. before the show is like 7 30 so the call time you know normally was like seven o'clock they called in an emergency fly rehearsal or some sort of like weird thing that we like okay so confused why everyone needs to be there but great and they like huddle us all in a circle and jerry the producer was like we have some news and then just like started talking and there's videos of this now on the internet so i'm not gonna like um you know, there's no need for me to talk through it. You can watch Jerry do the whole fucking speech. Oh, well, now uh, I have to watch this after. Yeah, it's, I think it's like Jen Tepper on her iPhone, like walking around the circle, getting everyone's uh, reactions. Uh, but yeah, Jerry was like, we're, we're moving to Broadway and the goal is to like take as many people as we can. That's awesome. So now what's, I mean, your, like, what's your reaction to this news? I mean, was this something that you kind of saw yourself doing or was like Broadway not on your radar? Oh, Broadway was, Broadway was on my radar. Broadway was the only way I was going to make enough money to have a family in this fucking industry. Uh, Broadway was on the radar. Uh, Broadway for this show was becoming more and more of a hope um, by that point, especially as we went on the run longer and longer. The audience reaction at that point was super great. And especially in the off-Broadway theater versus the Broadway theater, because it was so small and because the run was so short, the audience was always filled primarily with fans who either saw it at Two River or like watched the bootlegs, listened to the albums, and they were the ones on social media and Tumblr uh, making it take off. So the reception was great. So we were like, oh, this is, this is awesome. This feels good. So for a, after a while, it kind of became a, is there a theater open? Will one, you know, will the Schubert's or the Nita, will someone take us rather than like, is there, 
uh, is there a chance we're going? It was kind of, you know, is the opportunity there logistically? Um, yeah, yeah. So it was super exciting. That's awesome. And kind of going off of that, when you were on Be Merchal, when you were playing for Be Merchal on Broadway, you got some cool fan mail. What's the coolest fan mail you've ever received? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go get them because I'm like tethered in with my headphones right now. Um, there's two really cool ones that come to mind. Uh, three, actually, two of them are pretty similar. One is uh, this like hand-drawn uh, a picture uh, that I can see on my fridge right now by this, uh, this woman named Kaho in Japan. Uh, she's a huge uh, Joe fan um, and, and has followed a lot of his work uh, and was super supportive of us. She like sent presents and like food all the time. Um, but she, uh, she drew uh, all of us, the entire like cast and orchestra and creative team uh, by hand and then copy and colored them in and then copied them and like put them onto things. But it looks like a hand-drawn photo, you know, the copy job is great. Uh, so there's like a, what looks like a hand-drawn, hand-colored in uh, drawing of the like 40 of us or whatever on my fridge, uh, which is super awesome. And then she did the same thing for Broadway Bounty Hunter, uh, same kind of thing. Uh, that's so that's helpful. one. Yeah. The other one is like, uh, there's like two little figurines of myself, one like hanging on a lamp and one like standing. One of them is those like little bead things that you like put together and then you like melt and they- Oh, like, you yeah. iron on. Like, yeah you like iron it on and it like creates one thing so there's one is that and like one is like a sewn like doll kind of thing uh, of, of me yeah super super nice that's awesome I think that Be More Chill that's one of those shows that I mean the fan response to that show is so huge it's yeah. so cool yeah critical response aside the fans were, were were awesome the fans were very supportive the fan mail was great the like stage door reception every night was awesome um and like super smart, engaging, uh, uh, and like nice fans. You know, it, it wasn't like a crazy concert fans. It was people who like understood that like George was a person and like going to work every day, uh, but also like super supportive of the work he was doing and like wanted to show that. That's awesome. I had the privilege of getting to see Be More Chill with Mr. Jeffrey Coe and you going did. backstage after seeing him so that was very cool because this was after because we met probably two and a half years ago probably yeah and i saw be more chill not yeah i saw be more chill not this past summer but the summer before so we had known each other for like a year and a half at that point yeah because wicked would have been right before we started rehearsals on broadway and then you saw it that summer yeah so like six months oh yeah yeah. Yeah, sure. Because Wicked was December, and then we we started rehearsals uh, in New York in January. Was it that soon after? Oh wow. Yeah. At least for me, you probably we opened in March, so you probably saw it like May June. But yeah, it was like I think six I saw months. it in June. Oh wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's wild. Okay, Emily, do you wanna? Yeah, I mean, I always love these questions, but funniest like backstage mishap from you, Marshall. Anything comes to mind there? Oh my God. Uh, mishaps we've had like a couple of like random things nothing crazy is coming to mind right now we 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 always have uh musically we use this program called ableton um which is different from i'm gonna like dive into like music tech nerd stuff for a hot sec uh we use this program called main stage to make all the sounds and like control our keyboards to for the keyboards to play whatever sound we need 
and then we use this program called Ableton to basically uh, fire pre-recorded sequences. Uh, so a lot of the like more uh, expansive or like synthy stuff that you can't do live, uh, Charlie Rosen, the brilliant orchestrator supervisor, uh, would create those sounds, and then we would build this like Ableton program that the conductor uh, would have to fire as uh, the like seventh pedal or whatever underneath our keyboards. Um, and because we had that sequence there, that allowed us to uh, put in this thing called uh, time code because uh, we know those sequences are going to happen the exact same way every night because the tempo is mapped out, right? And so lights and sound uh, and scenic, uh, 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 you know, uh, they can tap into this time code and attach uh, events onto that. So they can fire lights based on where we are in the time code, which means if Emily or I miss a pedal one night, we, there's chances to get back on, you know, we can like fast forward to the next queue and like hit go, but it means there won't be time code for like four or eight bars. And so lights won't fire or scenic pieces won't move. And so there were a couple of like those little things here and there uh, that the stage manager will see and just start calling live, but we'll miss the first couple. Um, so like the bed wouldn't move out for Katie one night or like some something like that. Uh, what else? We, we've had uh, understudies go on mid-show, uh, which is not uncommon, but in, in our short run, I think it only happened two or three times. Uh, sweet, sweet Talia. Uh, Talia Suskauer, Penn State grad, a year younger than me. She covered all the ladies and was with us off-Broadway. Her first performance on Broadway, I think if I'm remembering correctly, was a mid-show cover. She like went on halfway through act one or act two, or maybe at intermission uh, and just like got thrown on. Uh, so stuff like that, we, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not like giving you a good answer to like crazy, crazy shit that happened. Um, yeah, we played Titan a lot. Oh, I've played, I've played that every day of quarantine. So mm -hmm. I remember because I came to the stage door to visit you one day. Yep. And because I was going to see Waitress and I was like, oh, Jeff, I'm in the city. I'm going to come say hi. So I was at the stage door and this was before I had ever heard of it or started playing it. And you're like, oh, I'm playing Catan. I'm like, like, like what game can't wait to see me? And then I was like, oh. I get it now. You get it now. You understand. Yeah. We would oh, have I people totally from like other shows come in and swing by and like play in between. Right. It became like a great hangout. Like uh, Alex, what's his name from Dear Van Hansen, like Carly, like came over and just like watched us play and like built a guitar over a weekend. Uh, we had dudes who were subbing at like Hamilton come in and play with it. was awesome. It was like a good hang. That's so fun. I mean, if I mean, you're going to have team bonding, I think Catan is clearly the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to break up a team real quick, but you get over it. You get over it. Emily's only played it once with me, and she was able to pick it up. Like, I still don't understand. She was able to pick it up in, like, 10 minutes. She was like, okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. She's a smart girl. She's I know, it's so UN annoying. Girl. It's really annoying. I say. This is great. She understands the politics of it. It's all that, you know, AP Gov, all the yeah. assignments. It's just alliances and resource gathering Perfect. and like smart building methods. Okay, well now we have to play the three of us one day and I have to beat both of you. you uh, I'm sure you won't, but you can try. I'm saying, <laughs> no shit we have to play, but you're going to lose. It's going to be tragic. Okay, Emily, you've played once. I've played over like 300 times probably. My money would still be on Wyra. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. 
Okay, so um, Emily, do you have a question? That- I do. What would you say is your favorite part about what you do? Uh, the like dumb answer is the people always. Um, I just, I, I enjoy the people I'm in a room with and I've been lucky enough that I've been in great rooms uh, and they are the like weird nature of theater that you guys know is like you become best friends with the entire creative team and cast for a week for a reading or like two months for a show or whatever. And then, you, oh, Hallie just sent me a recording. Thank you, right on time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you like never talk to some of them again but it was a great experience. Uh, and I've been doing this thing where you know, once every every show or every workshop, I, I like hit it off really well with one or two people and those become like lifelong friends that carry along the way, which I think is hard to find in any other industry, you know, except for maybe the service industry, if you have people rotating in and out. Um, but it, it beats like being at a desk with the same five people, you know, you meet new people. I, I, I have a lot more uh, friends that I can rely on, I think, compared to my friends who work in marketing and stuff like that. Uh, the people. And then the other thing is because I, I do a lot of new work and I would like to continue doing that. It's, it's just the concept of like building something new and showing it to the world, whether or not it's good. You know, I do plenty of stuff that I, I know is shitty and, and everyone working in the room knows is shitty, uh, but we're doing it either because there's good money behind it or because it's a good adaptation that, you know, people want to see or whatever, uh, or it's a good experience for, for whoever. Um, but like putting out new stuff into the world. And then when, when you can make a statement with that stuff is really nice. I've been lucky enough to do some workshops that do that. A lot of Joe's stuff is about, you know, honoring the underdog and bringing out the people that are forgotten. So that's, that's a good message to send to people. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And like what you said about the relationships, Emily, and I talk about that all the time that, Mm -hmm theater in general just brings a sense of community that you just wouldn't get anywhere else. So we just think that we're so lucky that we've been able to build these relationships through theater. hundred percent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's crazy right now with everything being all shut down, what kind of changed in your life once COVID hit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, everything's virtual. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, I, I, know, I wasn't aware, you know, you know, I don't know if you've been following the news or anything or, um, so that was different. Uh, I was doing a show in Pennsylvania, actually, like when everything, everything shut down, I was doing an out of town of this new show called Otherworld, which is going to be super awesome whenever we can do it again. Uh, it's the guys who wrote uh, title of show. Uh, it's like a video game musical. It's awesome. It looks awesome. It sounds awesome. That sounds right up your alley. It really is. I, it's I, all, all of the like associate, a lot of the team was like gamers. It was, it was awesome. Um, so that shut down, obviously, and that was like the last like fully in-person theater thing that I've done. Um, and I've, I'm super thankful in that I've been able to keep doing theater this time. I've had plenty of friends move into like real estate or marketing uh, and stuff like that, but I've been able to do theater. I moved back to Jersey uh, with my parents right after everything shut down, because at that point we were like, cool, I'm gonna go back to Jersey for two weeks. This is gonna blow over. We'll go back, we'll finish the run. Uh, did not happen. I was in Jersey for nine months. Um, it was still not back to normal. <laughs> still not back to normal. Uh, and who knows when it will be, but I, I, you know, it was great time to spend with my family. It was great time to be in the suburbs, uh, in a, like in a point in my life where I was trying to slow down anyways. Um, and then, uh, you know, thankfully I had this great relationship with Lindsay and we enjoy working with each other. And I was able to keep doing that. Uh, as you guys know, we, we did some outdoors stuff, uh, 
all of the stuff we did started rehearsals on Zoom, though. Yeah, right? well, yeah. we were actually going to go into talking about the Pixia stuff next. So if you want to talk a little bit about what you've done with that, because we all met, we all three of us met through Pixie Dust. Right. So you've been our music director for a few different shows, but you've done all of the virtual stuff. So if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm just going to like sidebar real quick before I dive in, because I'm going to keep talking about that. Uh, but yeah. I've also been lucky enough to like keep doing uh, developmental workshops, which is crazy. Uh, for new work all virtually, which is like the only thing that can happen theatrically right now, unless you're in bumblefuck nowhere and you're just doing it without masks <laughs> on or whatever. Um, but I, I've talked to plenty of like friends in management and in uh, design in those types of positions in theater who have no work right now. Uh, and as like a, a director, a music director or an actor, uh, there's a small group of us have been able to find like developmental work for, for new stuff because people want to get shit ready uh, to like throw on a stage when we get back and we're able to work on scores. We're able to work on scripts virtually. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, and then the other half of my life has been pixie dust. Um, talking, do you want me to just like vomit shit out about that or? Yeah, we, we yeah. Talk, we've talked a little bit about pixie dust, but if you could tell us like your experience and what it's been, that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, Lindsay and I met in college, uh, super odd. We didn't really become close until I started working for her, oddly enough. Um, and I had done uh, some random stuff here and there uh, for like two years before we met actually, before Wicked. And then starting from Wicked, I started to work a little bit more uh, consistently with her and then have been working with her exclusively during this uh, pandemic. And in the beginning, uh, I think Emma was the first thing we did, right? Yeah, I After think so. something rotten. Yeah. So yeah. Emma, uh, we, we, we were just trying to figure out, could we do it? What could we do? What would it look like? Uh, and we, 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 we decided that we had enough to go on that there was a way to present this show, even, uh, even if we didn't know what that looked like at that time. Uh, and we had a good way to rehearse it. Uh, we, we thought Zoom would work. We thought the like pre-records would work. Um, we did some research into a lot of the apps that were coming out at the time to allow people to sing live and neither of us really trusted it well enough. Um, so we started there uh, and we started rehearsals not knowing what the show would look like, as you guys remember. Uh, and then we were able to kind of figure out this outdoor uh, filming aspect, which was great. So we, we played with the like movie musical idea and decided that was the way to go and we would pre-record everything. Uh, and then we moved on to Faith trust uh which was an entirely pre-recorded but entirely outdoor performance it was it was filmed uh to be streamed later but we had a live audience which was new uh emma was like filmed uh like a movie was it was filmed scenes uh day to day and then we put it all together faith's trust was like done as a run with audiences uh which was super cool and new uh and entirely uh rehearsed virtually until we started staging it uh in person and then now with uh Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Thank you. Wow. Uh, with Charlie Brown, now we're going the like fully virtual route where we're even, we're going to film it the way um, I did this production of Tuck uh, with the student group at UPenn a few months ago. And we basically filmed a movie musical, which is what we're doing now, but entirely at home. So we'll rehearse over Zoom. We'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be with each other on Zoom when we're filming. We'll be able to like read our scenes live with our scene partners. Uh, and I'll be able to hit play for the songs so we still lip sync uh, to our own voices. But then we film on our phones and like we have a professional editor coming in to like put it together with like green screen Charlie Brown backdrops and like the doghouse for Snoopy. Um, 
So we're now moving into this like fully virtual but fully produced movie. Uh, basically, this entire pandemic, I could talk more about this, but this entire pandemic, at least for Lindsay and I, has been a huge learning experience of like, how can we do this? How can we make it better? Right. If you remember, like Wyra, you probably for for Emma, I I I didn't fucking rehearse the ensemble. I was like, here are your tracks, have fun. Uh, because at that point, we, Lindsay and I were both like, I, there's no way to sing together. I guess this is it. Uh, you know, and then as we went on for Faith Trust, we realized, okay, if we block out more time, we can sing one by one. Uh, and through, I think, teaching the Home for the Holidays classes, I realized like, okay, it actually helps a lot if even I'm able to sing and you all sing, you know, along with me, uh, muted, right? Uh, we can like rehearse group stuff and especially with the older kids. Uh, you guys are smart enough and self-aware enough to be like, I, you know what, I didn't do it correctly. I know you can't hear me, but like, help me. Um, so that's worked out really well for for group vocals. So it's been a lot of like learning how to do the thing better. Um, and also with the seasonal shit, like I, we can't do a show outside right now. So figuring out how we adapt to that. Yeah, because all three shows that we've done, they've all been different. Yeah. Because Emma was done more like a movie musical. Faith Trust we did outside and then Charlie Brown we're doing completely virtual so each is different yeah. but for yeah. all of them we recorded the vocal so if you want to explain a little bit more about like what we do for that yeah the yeah. bane of your existence right here <laughs> yeah. listen it's great it gives me a lot more control over everything and I'm a huge control freak uh which is awesome but yeah for 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 everyone who's listening we uh we pre-record the sung moments every sung moment in the show and some of most of uh all of depending on the production, uh, the dialogue. Um, and so we, we learn all the music the way we would normally, but virtually, uh, I guess. Uh, and then uh, week to week, uh, there, there exist backing tracks of the show, uh, all of the music in the show uh, performed by an orchestra uh, or a band for Faith Trust. I made those backing tracks. Uh, you know, I just like produce them the way uh, a producer would. Uh, for Emma and for Charlie Brown, they were provided by outside companies. Uh, and the singers are able to record their parts to that, much like you would in a professional recording studio, uh, either with like a mic setup that you guys have, or we figured out that like voice memos on your phone work super well. And you just listen to uh, the tracks in your headphones like you would in a recording studio and record your voice uh, singing. And then everybody emails them to me. Uh, and I have the awesome job of putting that all into uh, one file with the backing track, uh, like a recording engineer and mixer would for a cast album. Uh, and mixing it, uh, putting all the effects on we need, fixing people's pitches if I need to, um, which, which is like a dicier thing. But the thing that we actually can't control is like we, we just don't have the time to spend uh, on cutoffs. Right. And so things like that. And like we, the fact that we're not singing together uh, doesn't allow you guys to intuit like, oh, we're all cutting off here. We're all taking a breath here. I hear everyone doing the pickup this way. So I'm going to do it that way. So there's little things like that that I just have to like move consonants around uh, that type of like production that would go into basically producing a cast album. Um, and then we start rehearsing with those and eventually we lip sync uh, uh, to those while we film or in the case of Faith Trust during a live performance, like a Disney stage show at Disney World. Um, but yeah, the job has basically become uh, rehearse and produce a cast album for every show that we can like hit play and film to. It's very impressive. It like, really is. We, we basically listen to the tracks, record it, and then 
well, everyone emails it, but we text it because yeah, it's Jeff. So we it's, can yeah, it. enough of you texting it. It's fine. As long as something's <laughs> clearly labeled, it's great. Well, I texted a week early. Emily texted that day because yeah. we work very <laughs> differently when it comes to that. Um, but then Jesse he also worked. sends me a shit ton of bloopers, which is hilarious. Oh. If anyone else is listening to this and is like, I want to send you all my outtakes, great. Make sure they're clearly labeled as outtakes. Jesse also, always labels them as like an ugh or a blah. But also, fun. there was a fun time. I was assisting Polka Dots and Jeff was music directing it. And I had sent him a blooper for Faith Trust. And in front of all the children, he started playing my blooper. Yeah. which was they love that. me literally like groaning as I messed up. So that was a fun time. That's so kind yeah. of you, Jeff. Just so thoughtful. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm going <laughs> to embarrass you if I can. Also, my favorite recent blooper is when I'm recording and it was, I was like, oh, I'm three minutes in. It was a pretty good take. And then all of a sudden the phone starts ringing. And I was like, are you kidding me? You were pretty near the end of the song too. I was. And I, and I had gotten through the whole song because it was a long song. It was over five minutes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm like a good portion through. I got through the part that I was iffy with. And then the phone rings. You also, you know, and I say this now three weeks after you sent this in, but like, you know, you can just send me that and tell me to cut out the very end and then just re-record the very end, right? <laughs> I realized that after the fact. Okay, great. But I was like, uh, cool. I'll feel better yeah. if it's just one take. And then I sent you five different versions of book report yesterday. Yes. That is actually to like dive back into like professional stuff. That is the nice thing about the pre-recording thing is now is like uh, actors especially get a chance to like get every section that they're doing the, the way they like it, right? We can record verses separately. We can redo individual lines and words. You don't have to get everything right on one take and like you only have to sing the high A once. It's not, you don't have to sing it for a full weekend. I, you do it once and you're good, you know? So that's kind of been nice. So yeah. in the professional sphere of like what you're working on, is it a similar process to what you do with Pixie Dust? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, a couple of the earlier readings, uh, just like Pixie Dust, we were like figuring some shit out and like figuring out how to do it. So a couple of the earlier ones, we did a like hybrid of live and pre-recorded stuff where we, the, tr the tracks were the same. We had made tracks for this new musical uh, and we got the ensemble to, to record everything. And we got... Uh, uh, one one person for every duet to record everything. And then one of the actors would hit play on their end and sing along live to it. Uh, and that was like dice. There were like some sound issues. Some people had better mics, some people had better computers. So it was, it was not a great way to do it. We started realizing it. Uh, so now we're doing it exactly the same way as, as, you know, as Lindsay and I have learned. So this next workshop that I'm doing, uh, it, it happens in February and March because we're taking a week in February to teach all the music to the principals, record all the music. We're going to take three weeks to like put it all together. And then we're going to come back together in March to do a reading where we read the lines and then we hit play. And then we read the lines over the underscore and we hit play just like we, we do now, you know, except we're not filming, but yeah, everything's functional. And there's really only one good way to do it now. That's awesome. So are you basically saying that we're doing professional stuff? Correct. You are doing professional level theater. Oh, so should I put it on my resume as like Broadway professional <laughs> stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if your work is, but the, in general, <laughs> the production is. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, wait, are you calling my, like my work? I, I just got that. Well, Moving on. Really <laughs> I've had a long day. That really took you a sec. <laughs> we got there we got there i've had a long day so yeah, no, sure. it's 
moving on. Let's talk rotted stewie for a hot sec. Oh God, let's. So, okay. 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 That's, that. <laughs> how did you book this gig, Jeff? <laughs> uh, I had been following Ratatouille when it was like hopping on TikTok. Well, uh, as everyone should. As every, well, you say everyone. that. All my friends were like, shut the fuck up uh, and like stop sending this to me. And I was like, this is hilarious and funny and super cool that they're like writing a full musical on TikTok. Uh, and then fast forward, you know, five months or whatever. Uh, the day they announced it i'm, I'm going to tell this in a super long way uh yeah no totally i was we, we want to hear it great i was doing a workshop uh, uh of a brilliant new show called my heart says go it's going to be super awesome um but my friend talia who was one of the swings in be more chill uh uh i had gotten her to play uh the, the lead in in that uh, and so we were in rehearsal together and emily marshall of all people from Be More Chill texted me and was like, do you have Talia's number? Uh, like I might have a gig for her. And I was like, yeah, here she is. I'm actually in rehearsal right now. Uh, like what's it for, et cetera, et cetera. And em uh, Emily was like, winky face, like you'll see soon. Uh, and then the next day they announced it. Uh, and Talia and I had been talking because I was like, you know, Emily's coming your way. I don't know for what. And Talia's like, oh, I wonder like what's happening right now. And then they announced Ratatouille and we were both like, there's no, there's no way. Uh, turns Emily Marshall texted me. She was like, yeah, I'm doing Ratatouille. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been following this for months. Uh, do you need anyone? I, I'm happy to like do anything on it. Uh, I didn't have time, but I was like, this is a great bit that I just want to, like, this is funny. Um, and all of my friends at this point had been like, uh, like they're, you know, if they did like, you're going to be working on the show on Broadway in like two years, it's going to be fucking hilarious. And so when they announced they were doing it, I was like, I, we have to do this for the bit. And so Emily was like, great. Uh, you know, we, we, need a, we need a second hand on copying if you want to do that and like help us out with some, I ended up doing some like percussion programming and like that kind of shit. But yeah, it was, again, it was like an Emily Marshall and it was like, uh, hey, this looks cool. Like, can I have in? And she was like, yeah. I feel like the moral of the story is that it's always Emily Marshall and your commitment to your comedy. Yes, comedy, good bits, Emily Marshall uh, and always ask worst they can do is say no like so do you need me to come work on this broadway show with you literally just i mean literally i was like you're doing ratatouille do you need anyone and she was like uh yeah i guess so <laughs> that's it that's the whole story. life of Jeff. <laughs> yeah i mean she could have easily said no and like that's happened plenty of times but that's how you get a job is you ask so you were so okay this is the real question were you on the ratatouille side of tiktok while this was all happening Yes. I had actually gotten off of it by that point, oddly enough. And I think the hype was starting to die down at that point because the peak of it was like August through October, probably. Um, so by December, it was winding down, but I was on it for all of the hype. I was on it for like the OG video from, was it Daniel? It might have, I don't know. I was on for the original like finale and then all the shit that started coming up. Um, and I think I got on it because of Daniel's grocery store musical before that i don't know if you guys were, were on that we don't use tiktok <laughs> oh god That's guys terrible <laughs> similar thing daniel wrote this like uh this like uh act one finale of a grocery store musical uh where uh and we're standing in a grocery store and i don't even oh, know what, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like and like people started duetting that uh no one wrote new songs for it as far as i can remember but like that was 
that took up my entire for you page for a long time was like all these fucking duets it came to like 10 people there was like it started becoming a bit it was like people were like uh being the like uh cash register and someone was like the bird flying through the like produce aisle and that's the like bits that i live for so that i was gonna say that's very up your alley yeah Yeah, i think that's how tiktok was like oh you'll like ratatouille um yeah oh wow i think that it's just the coolest thing i mean first of all the irony but second of all like it's it is so cool this started on tiktok and became this whole thing and raised freaking two million dollars for the actors fund like come on it's awesome like great cause the timeline was ridiculous and we can talk about that or, or not but it was you know they hired me what three weeks before the show they they like emailed wayne brady like two weeks before the show you know and was like do you want to do this thing and of course he's like yeah because he's awesome uh and he like you know half memorized a show and like found some costumes and like learned a shit ton of music in two weeks and like filmed it it's that awesome. like turnaround is crazy but yeah all for a good cause also, Jeff, you're the kind of person you don't get phased by celebrities or any of that kind of stuff. And I'm the complete opposite. You are. And <laughs> she cannot last year, last year, Jeff and I were at the Tony's rehearsal. We were both there and we were texting the whole time. And I was like freaking out. I was like, we oh my go God, Ben Platt. Not we didn't no. go together, but we were okay, both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've no memory of this. I have no idea what story you're about to tell. <laughs> I was like freaking out. I was like, oh my God, Ben Platt just walked by and you're like, I'm tired. I want to go home. That is true. Yeah. Cause it was like a Friday morning. I don't know something, but I was like losing my mind here and you're like, I'm tired. I want to take a yeah. nap. Like why oh, am I you know here? What I went with Emily and I think like we had, we, we had a show that night and then we had both had like a late night, like out drinking and we had two shows that day and both of us were like, get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, and I was the opposite. We I was having like, a great oh my time. God. And I was like freaking out in your, and I was like, oh my God, I just walked, uh, like Kristen Chenoweth just walked by me. You're like, cool. Yeah. Were you in the orchestra? Yeah. Yeah. I, Emily and I were in the mezzanine and I was like, I was sitting as you do in like a high school auditorium with like my legs up on the chair in front of me and like lying down (laughs) with my hood on. I was like very clearly hung over and very clearly like, (laughs) I don't want to be here right now. (laughs) Yeah. Hi. And that's just like very our relationship also. I'm like over here freaking out about these Broadway stars walking by and you're like, okay. Shut up. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Hi. Emily, any last questions that you have? I'm curious as to, yeah, your timeline. Well, circling back to Ratatouille for a hot sec. Like what that whole process looked like for you. Like what would, I mean, I, when that happened, you were going insane. It was so intense, but. Yeah. Uh, so my job on that was, uh, there were two of us, uh, basically copying the entire show, which meant, uh, the, the like workflow of that from the music end was, uh, someone would write a song. And I think all the songs at that point were written from TikTok, but Daniel, uh, the supervisor would then arrange it, expand it, turn it into like a thing. Uh, maybe someone else would write some additional lyrics. They would do that send it off to Macy, the orchestrator, who would approve the arrangement uh, uh, and then create a full orchestration and then send it to uh, me and Jesse, the other copyist, and we would copy the whole show, meaning like Macy would like vomit all the notes on the page uh, in like a score. And then it was up to me and Jesse to go into each individual part and make the flute part look good, make it readable, make sure you know it's the right amount of bars and it looks good and it's legible. Um, and there's like no errors and shit. Um, 
and then we then would PDF that and hand, start handing it off to be printed. Uh, so all that, which normally that timeline normally happens in months, half a year, uh, plus a lot of it's done already because there are workshops and et cetera, et cetera. And this was going from like zero to done over the course of a week for a 12 song musical. Were so you it, like losing your oh, mind? Yeah. Were you like, Oh yeah. It was a lot of like, here's a song two hours later, here's a song, here's a, and it was, it was one of those things that like in the middle of me trying to be better about like work-life balance and like relaxing, it was one of those things that like, you just had to be around because the shit piles up and like the orchestra goes to record in three days. And then the singers record, like you just, for this one week, you just have to be available to like do it whenever it gets to you in the like lineup. Um, but then, you know, after a week, they moved on to start working with the actors and then they recorded with the band and they started like kept producing, you know, the tracks as, as, as we do with Pixie Dust. And I was done so, you know, so my, the bulk of my stress was like a week and a half, uh, super easy. Super easy. That does not sound super, super easy. easy, but super, super short. The bulk, the bulk of my stress was less than one fiftieth of a year. If that helps. Very specific there. Yeah, I'm like getting stressed talking about it right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's all that we've got, but Jeff, do you have anything else that our listeners should know about you that you want to talk about or share? He gets annoyed by us. That's so. very true. Nah, it's a playful thing. Uh, you can yeah. tell. You can tell when I'm actually annoyed with someone, and it's yeah. never you two. Um, I don't think so. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed. Whoever's listening, find me on Instagram. I'm always trying to get more followers. <laughs> You're looking for the clout there, Jeff. Always. Well, listen. In an industry we'll like theater, you. clout cannot hurt. That's true. That. You know? Well, we will definitely be tagging you on <laughs> our Instagram, Theatrical Thoughts. Right. You can find us on Instagram at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast and on Twitter as well. And um, all of the links will be in our bios of where you can find the podcast. Um, this podcast, if you're not already watching on YouTube, it's going to be on YouTube. So you can watch there. And if you want to see Jeff's tattoos in the beginning, um, that'll be there as well. Um, but yeah, that's all that we've got. So thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. And thanks again, Jeff, for taking the time to chat with us and sharing your wisdom and your stories and jokes and all that jazz. So Absolutely, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks guys. <laughs>